Friendship, according to Barney Fife, show me a neighbor who will help unclog your septic system, and I'll show you a friend. Of course, that's literal, metaphorical, however you want to take it, but a real friend will always be there for you. And if you've got somebody helping unclog your septic system, I mean, you're in the thick of it together. It's it, deep. Yeah, it don't get much loyal than that. Or more loyal, yeah. The only reason you'd ever help somebody do that is if you're a good friend or if they're paying you real good. Or it's your ox in their ditch. Well, then that's true. <laughs> then that's just awkward. <laughs> well, I knew that last week we were talking about friendship, and we wanted to continue that discussion, and I never got to share any of the words of wisdom from Bernard P. Fife, and so I thought I'd come back to Barney Fife's Guide to Life, Love, and Self-Defense today and, and just at least kick things off with that. Here's a little more from Barney on the subject of friendship. Andy Taylor taught me about friendship. As boys growing up in Mayberry, I considered myself about the luckiest kid in the world because Andy and me were friends. Many a day was spent with us fishing and playing ball and carrying on. He was the kind of friend who always picked me first in softball games, even though I wasn't the best player. When he had an extra dime, it was me he treated to a malt. He even did the three-legged race with me every year at the All Souls Church Annual Bazaar, even though we came in last nearly every year. And that was touching because it reminds me of our golf golfing in the golf tournament, coming in last every year. But doing it with style, flair, and camaraderie. That friendship continues on throughout life, and boy, the best of friendships, some of the best friends I ever had growing up, I don't see them that much anymore. Mm -hmm. And yet, to the point, to, to part of the point today, I feel like, on one hand, for example, I have a friend that we still communicate on a pretty regular basis, see each other about once every year and a half or so, and then I've got another friend that comes to mind that was my best friend in school. I feel like if we were to see each other right now, we just pick up almost like where we left off. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of life has happened and a lot of water under the bridges. I was in high school and elementary school more than 10 years ago. Well more than 10 years ago. Yeah. A few more. Yeah. So anyway, welcome back to the Code of Man podcast. And this uh, week we're talking more about friendship. I'm surrounded by my friends here in the studio. I've got me, myself, and I, and Barney Fife. Oh, wow. and you guys. I figured that was going somewhere. <sighs> I knew there was a catch. Welcome, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good to be here. Welcome yourself. And you guys are looking good today. I mean, well, you are. You are. But see, he's in the, the E.T.'s in the shadows a little bit. But when I came in, you're sitting right under that fluorescent light, and there's a glow about you. It's, it's bright over here. It's yeah. almost Moses-esque. Especially this early in the day. Moses-esque? Moses-esque. Never heard that before. Well, if you say mosesque, people are going to be like, what? Mosesque? That's a cool word, though. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about friendship again. We wanted to pick that discussion back up. And uh, last week, we, we were really just describing some various ideas about why, why men maybe are short on having true friendships and encouraging the guys out there that it's something worth pursuing in your life. We looked at some... some uh, top-notch friendships down through the years and of course uh we had woody and buzz and wyatt and doc and king julian and maurice mm -hmm. and and others i can't remember batman and robin napoleon and pedro napoleon and pedro uh, back in person in the studio today thank you <laughs> what do you think <laughs> it's always good to have uh you two guys from somewhere out in idaho or somewhere <laughs> with us. iowa 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 yeah, here here iowa here wow. in Iowa, right? I'm pretty sure it was Iowa. I was thinking yeah. Iowa as well. Yeah, we have a thing called pride. 
Iowa. Yeah, I don't understand a thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to come back to talking about this whole friendship idea today. Um, I, I think maybe now would be a good time to do it. I mean, we've already brought up uh, Andy and Barney. But I was thinking of a clip from the Andy Griffith Show. And in terms of friendship, and, and certainly there's a lot that, that you can learn from the Andy Griffith Show about friendship. And, and so kind of kind of being a little humorous reading from Barney Fife's Guide to Life, Love, and Self-Defense. Real book, by the way. But uh, there's a scene in the Andy Griffith Show. There's, there's an episode called Andy on Trial. And I want to set up the, the part that we're going to listen to because what happens in this episode is uh, Barney, this, 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 quote, college girl comes to do a report on local law enforcement or something like that, and she's interviewing Barney. And, you know, Barney, he's sitting there with a the pretty young college girl, and he gets in a big way, and he starts talking about how he has to help the kid out, you know, talking about Andy and how he can be a little slack sometimes. You know, Barney's basically trying to make himself look good for the girl. She's actually a reporter, but she works for a man named Mr. Jackson who owns a big newspaper or something. I don't remember what he does, but he's from the big city. And he's upset with Andy because Andy made him come all the way back to Mayberry to pay a traffic fine of like $2. And so he's out to get Andy, this small-town sheriff who you know he's really upset with. So this reporter comes in to get all the dirt on Andy, and Barney's just giving it to him. And so by the end of the episode... Andy is now being put on trial, and they're trying to determine whether he is fit to continue to be the sheriff in Mayberry. And in the scene that you'll hear, Barney has been called to the stand. He's the prime witness for the um, prosecution. Prosecution, thank you. And uh, he's surprised by that because up and until this trial is about to start, he doesn't know that the college girl was the reporter until he sees her walk in with Mr. Jackson. So they're sitting in the room. Andy and Barney are sitting in the room. The um, the attorneys there that's, that's investigating is in there, and then there's a judge sitting behind Andy's desk. And so Barney's been called to the platform to give an account for all the things that he said about Andy and how insufficiently he does his job. Sure, I said all them things. But the truth is, sometimes I get carried away with myself. I was talking with a young lady there. I, well, I got to bragging a little bit. I guess that's one of my faults. But I sure didn't think it was going to backfire and be used against Andy. Why, well, Andy's the best friend I got in the whole world. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the best sheriff, too. All them things I said. For example, his using the squad car for personal reasons. Sure, he was delivering groceries to Emma Watson because she was too sick to get down to the market. And that's just one example of the things Andy's done for the folks in this town. I could give you a lot more. You gotta understand, this is a small town. The sheriff is more than just a sheriff. He's a friend. And the people in this town, they ain't got a better friend than Andy Taylor. As far as Andy knowing his job, I'd just like for you to take a look in the record book, Mr. Jackson. You know there ain't been a major crime committed in this town, thanks to Sheriff Taylor. The only ruckus you'd ever have in Mayberry is if you tried to remove him from office. Then you'd have a riot. You ask me if, if Andy runs a taut ship, Mr. Melton. Oh, no, he don't. But that's because of something that he's been trying to teach me ever since I started working for him. And that is that when you're a lawman and you're dealing with people, you do a whole lot better if you go not so much by the book, but by the heart. Well, there you have it. One of the greatest speeches on friendship ever. And, of course, there's so many dynamics here. So Barney's the one that got him into this situation. Right. But he's also the one that's standing up for Andy and is willing to go down with Andy to because, because that they're true friends. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I guess I would just throw the question out here and see where it goes with the conversation today, but what makes a true friendship? I think even building off of that clip, because one of the things I thought of was a true friendship is one that you, not that you overlook one another's faults, but you're willing to move past one another's faults. Like, like I've not seen a whole lot of Andy Griffith. I have seen that episode, and you never see Andy throwing Barney under the bus He's visibly frustrated with Barney. He, he's aggravated 
but not in just like this outlandish, I'm done with you, you've done this horrible thing, and I never want to see you again. He knows Barney gets a little carried away. He is gracious in his aggravation. And then even with Barney on the flip side, you know, all of the things that he was using, you know, against Andy early on in the in the bragging portion of it, he's like, hey, yeah, but th- there's reason behind that. A true friendship is one that you take one another, and even if there's things that you look and you're like, man, I, I would change that about that person, or I might not do that myself, but you know what? I accept them for who they are. I'm going to continue working past this. Our friendship and our relationship is worth more than my opinions on whether or not they're doing everything the exact right way or because there's a deeper bond and connection there to that. So the friendship goes farther than our careers are going to go or our trouble that we're currently in. So what's more important is preserving this relationship. Right. Yeah, and uh, the self-awareness of Barney in that clip about how he admits first and foremost that he gets carried away sometimes. And he was deceived. He was that that girl came in and she 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 got him to say things that he wouldn't normally say and got to watch those girls those Yeah, girls. and but but the thing about Barney is he's he's aware that he has a fault. And and that's one thing about a true friend. A true friend is is not somebody who's always going to be the victim or someone who's always looking at other faults, but they understand, yeah, I, I got this to work on. But he then comes full circle with with that and talks about how Andy is making him a better person, about how Andy's been trying to teach him some things. I, I don't I, I feel like I'm gonna get ahead too much because I'd like to actually give you all these ideas one at a time and talk them through. But let me just tell you, I wrote down three things last week when we were talking about friendship and what makes a true friendship. And just listening to you as you analyze that clip, I mean, the first thing is faithfulness, right? And, and you see that in in the, the episode there. But then truthfulness, because you just brought that out. I mean, we have to be honest. We have to be honest about ourselves and honest with each other if you're going to have a real friendship. And then the, the big one, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So I had wrote down all three of those things, faithfulness, truthfulness, and forgiveness. And all those are on display in that episode which shows us a lot about true friendship. This shows us there are things that can come between you and a friend. And when I think about one of the great friendships of the Bible, the one that we, that I wanted to kind of spend a little more time on today is, is Jonathan and David. And, of course, they had some things come between them, primarily Saul, Jonathan's father. And a javelin. And a javelin, yes. <laughs> Well said, E.T., well said. <laughs> First Samuel 18, let's go back and read that again. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that was, of course, David, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him, David, Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And so this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship between Jonathan and, and David. When you look into their lives, there's going to be some answers to the question, what makes a true friendship? But to help us now get to that, I wanted to ask you guys a second question, and this is where you're going to be able to go back in the annals of your memories But when you recall the true friends of your life, I mean, true friends, true friendships through your life, what stands out about those friends? Because if we can identify those things, those qualities are what we should all be looking for in a true friend. So what stood out? Think about a friend or friends that you've had. What stands out about them? I think think thick skin was something that, that came to my mind. So my closest friend growing up, man, we grew up and and we were we were hard on each other as far as like we we would pick and and cut and there were some there were a lot of times that especially you know I'd go a little bit too far in the jabbing or the picking and have to pick pick up the phone call him later like hey man listen I I, I took that too far I you know I apologize and 
his his go to default response, even when I knew I like, I could see it in his face, even when I knew that I had taken taken something so far, his default response was always, "Man, you got to quit letting that stuff bother you like that. We've been friends long enough. I'm not worried about that. We're good." And it was just, you know, there was again. I guess going back to that that level of of grace that was there, we knew one another well enough that we didn't let little finicky things come between what was a very profitable friendship for both of us. If if I got the word right here, the I'm thinking of transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a level of, with an acquaintance, there there is a level of, I don't want to say fakeness. That's a, that's, that's guardedness. Yes. Yeah. There, there is this, um, Hey, how you doing today? Good to see you, brother. What you been doing this week? You know, there's the, the small talk there's, but when you have a friend, you let down that guard. And, and thanks for that word there, because that that's what you're doing. You're you're being more transparent with them. And when I think of my close friends, close friends growing up, my closest friends, my my close friends now, there you've got to be transparent. There you let that guard down. You let the, you be yourself around them. Mm-hmm. You and like you just said, the whole thick skin thing is like. Man, I think I might have been a little too much of myself there. You know, yeah. I, I think I might have gone a little too far, but that's just part of it. And I, my closest friends for for many years, my my buddy Brandon, he's a uh, he's a pastor in Virginia, and me and him, we've we've been through it together. I mean, we've 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 stuck through. We've had a very close friendship, and that's one of the reasons uh, we've had such a close friendship is because we've both stuck by each other in in hard times, but. Through all of that, one thing I can say about both of us is we've been ourselves. I mean, when we went to Bible college together, we were acquaintances. There was a lot of that just standard, hey, how you doing? How you doing in this class? Just polite. But then when we became friends, we were we could really confide in one another and, and really share things and have those moments that you were just talking about and just grow closer together. So I would say... Something about a close friend is you can be yourself. There, there is you, you can really let that guard down, and that's where the iron sharpening iron comes in. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to be yourself, you're going to you're you're making yourself vulnerable. You're you're going to show a lot. Hey, here's a lot of my faults. You know, here's a lot of things I do that 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 I need to get better with. And in a world that's just full of fakeness and hypocrisy, and I don't mean like like the, the way we throw that rock at people. Oh, you hypocrite. I mean, there's like legitimate, real hypocrisy everywhere mm-hmm. you look in this world. It's, Everybody's trying to cover up. It's really helpful to have somebody you can just be yourself with. And and by the way, of course, if you're a married man, your your closest friend is going to be your wife. But the, the topic that we're on is specifically to talk about the need for other guys, other men right. that are your friends, because they bring certain things to the table. And part of it is the things that you were just describing in the sense of somebody that you can, you know, that you can really, I mean, now we pick at our wives and whatnot, but I mean, you know, that, not that's the same a way. Yeah, yeah, not the same way you do a good friend. We, we don't want to get it in, we don't want to, you know, we, we just don't want that to happen. You got that right. So yeah. it, it's really good that we can have somebody to be true with. And that's actually the word I wrote down, somebody or you know, somebody that's true. So you mentioned Trevor, you mentioned Brandon, so I'll give my shout-out to Locke. And uh, you guys haven't met Locke, have no, you? So true. Locke is a faithful, I am sure, listener to the Code of Man podcast. Hello, Locke. <laughs> Locke. But uh, we've got to work that out sometime because, you know, he's not far from here. Now, your friend's a long way away. Yeah. Your friend, eh, it's fairly close. Yeah. Locke lives over about an hour from the undisclosed location here. That's, that's about what oh. my buddy is. Yeah, so we could get our friends together. Yeah. You're out of luck there, buddy. Yeah, story of my life. Too bad but. this is the digital age where we could just have them come in remote. <gasps> we, we should have had guests. We should have invited our truest friends the to buddies, be guests. The well, Buddies podcast. Seeing as to how where my buddy is at, it's currently 4.50 in the morning. Oh, he's just now He's got up. thick skin. Actually, Wake him up. No, <laughs> it's 3.50 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> You're just being true to yourself. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I was thinking when I thought about uh, the true friends of life, and Locke and I have been friends since, really, I guess since about my uh, my, my sophomore year in high school, and we had known each other a few years before that, but weren't really friends. We met in um, German class, or or became friends in German class. I was a real cut up, and he egged me on. 
because he would laugh at everything I did, and sometimes nobody else would. Everybody needs a friend like that. Everybody That's, needs a friend to egg them on. Isn't that great? Yeah. You're, you're saying something, you're like, man, that fell flat. And then you hear somebody having like convulsions over in like the corner, and you're like, hey, you know what? You're all right. And he would really get it, get a good kick if I got in trouble. That would really oh, yeah. get him you know, going. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he and I became very close friends. But when I think about being true, you know, we went through those years of high school. He was a couple years older than me, so he graduated, went on to college, but we still, we were together. You know, I tell people I went I went to college. Uh, I went to university. I would go up to uh, NC State University and visit Locke, and that was my college time. You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember when, when, when I gave my heart to Christ, uh, you know, I was, I was 20 years old, and I had had some, some buddies and people I called friends. I, I got right with the Lord and my life completely changed. So when I went and told all my new friends about my life change, all of a sudden I started seeing doors closing, people not wanting me around. And, and one of the things that stands out about Locke is when everybody else was turning away from me, he was the one guy that was drawing closer and staying true to me. And I think that defines friendship. You're looking for somebody that even if everybody else is walking away, over something that's uncomfortable or they don't understand. You're looking for that guy that's going to be there with you, even if he doesn't quite get or understand it. But even in the, in those terms, I mean, with Locke and I, uh, that opened doors for us to have a new level of friendship because, you know, we could begin to talk about our faith. We could begin to talk about and what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And over the years, that has developed and grown. And so, it, you know, it was, a, it was a good thing. So being true is a good quality of a friend. I think you got to have some mutual interest. You know, there there has to be there has to be some kind of of centering. I guess we could say like a common goal or a common focus. You know, so the friends that I have had over the years, really the only one that I keep in close contact with from like elementary and high school was Trevor. But even like some of my Bible, Hi, Trevor. Yeah, even like some of like my Bible college buddies and some people that I do keep in contact with from time to time, and even you know my current friends now. There, there's, there's a central focus, but you know we have, we have a common goal. There, there's something that we are united around. We're pulling in the same direction on a, on a similar task. We have a, a, a similar direction in life. We're in similar stages of life. You know, you might be a little bit further down that path than where Napoleon and I are. Our children are very close in the same age, but, but there's that, there's that guiding principle, and then even some older men were at one time on my path of life, my, my direction of going, and so they can still relate with, with where I'm going. All that's just to say, you got, you got to have people, you got to have something in common with, because if, if you're trying to plug in with people that, man, they don't understand me, they don't get me, we don't enjoy the same things, we don't think the same way, we don't operate the same way, it's going to be difficult to build those kind of deep connections and deep communion, so Find the people that are interested and in, in pulling in the same direction that you are. And I think that it's important here to say this, because we're, we're describing what has, made up, has helped us to have true friends, what we admired or the qualities that stood out. But we're also trying to encourage people, hey, how do you know when you found a true friend? And one of the words that I wanted to use is, in true friendship, you will find it to be timeless. Mm -hmm. And before I explain that, let me, let me enter into that by saying this. There, 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 for it to be a true friendship, there has to be an allowance that you don't always have to be together. As a matter of fact, you can do a lot of things separate, and you can live far away from one another and still maintain a true friendship. When I think about Locke, I thought of the word timelessness because when he, when he got his first job, um, in, in he, he's an attorney, and he started working in Raleigh. I mean, he's, he's lived... He lived there, and, and then I ended up moving to Florida. And uh, over the course of time, I've moved to different locations and so forth. And, and there would be months might have went by at times where we never even talked at all. But as soon as we reconnected, whether it was a text or a phone call, it was like there had been no time passed at right. all. So you're really looking for somebody that you can build such a depth of relationship with, such a connection. I mean, there's, there's words in these scriptures that I'd like to, to highlight that really say it all. But when you look at where it says that the soul of David was knit with the soul of Jonathan, that's what we're talking about. Time can't separate that. Right. Time can't tear that knitting apart. 
And so you're looking for that timeless kind of relationship where uh, there's no time or space between you. I think one other thing for me would be a, a, a true friend is someone who makes you a better man. They're, they, they, this is somebody who you could be yourself around, you have fun around, you're going to laugh with, you're going to have your, you know, your private jokes, and my goodness, we, we know us three, we have ours. I mean, you, you talk about things, and people in the room are like, what are they talking about? They keep, you know, they keep saying to explain something to. I don't, I don't understand what that – you have those things, and you, you laugh, and you, you cut up, and you, you have – I don't want to say your own language, but you, you, when you get close enough with somebody, you can talk and you understand each other. But one thing is, and this is the most important, do at the end of the day, does this individual make you a better man? And do they, are they a follower of Christ? Are they somebody who you can confide in and pray with? And, and that's something that I've learned really has separated a lot of my friends from each other over the years is because— Unfortunately, you have to cut ties with some people, and that's because they're just not—they're not getting anywhere. They're—they're just—they're only in it for themselves or whatever it may be. But when you have somebody who can make you a better father, make you a better husband, make you a a better follower of Christ, that—that's somebody to hold on to. That's someone you have a question about something, you need counsel. You don't need to say, "Hey, let's meet up sometime." You know, can we? sit down and have a cup of coffee. No, you just pick up the phone and text them and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or mm-hmm. you, you, you call them or you just get in the car and drive to them. That's someone who's going to make you uh, a better person. Which is uh, very good to bring back up this week because last week, you know, we were talking about why men don't have close friends. And I was just looking back at some of the notes that I jotted down. We had talked about how men can be afraid, that fear of exposure or they don't want to get too close because they're afraid they're going to be asked to contribute something and they just aren't sure they have what it takes. Right. But see, true friendship actually, I'm going to use the word forces. I mean, it kind of forces us to, to rise up to the occasion and to be more than we think that we could be. It sounds cliche, but it's actually very true. I mean, let's go back to one of the great all-time relationships ever, Apollo and Rocky. Mm-hmm. You brought that up last time. And it, it is exactly what happens in the story there. You know, Apollo has to get Rocky out of that slump that he's in where he has lost confidence that he could ever be the champion again or ever even stand in the ring with a real fighter again. And Apollo believes in him enough to push him and to drive him. Of course, at the end of the day, Apollo reaches his limit, and that's where Adrian steps in, and it makes all the difference. So it's good for a man to not be alone. Yeah. He needs a good wife. Right. And some good friends in his life. But um, I also I wanted to ask another question that came to me as I was thinking about doing this. So uh, Napoleon over here, uh, E.T. wasn't there, but we had a, a fellowship night this week. And, uh, and Dr. Dean here, you spoke about the, the message you were giving, the importance of having men in our lives that can be like accountability. Yes. Men that can speak into us about when they see us going astray or that we can go to when we are straying and get some help. Well, we hear that all the time, but how do we even start something like that? I mean, how, what does that look like? What is it supposed to be? How do we get it going? How, do, how does a man step out of the shadows, even with his friends, and say, fellas, i got to tell you the truth. I'm having trouble with this thing. Right. Well, so also going back to the podcast with maybe one of the, the, the few so- – uh, duos of Overtrek and Napoleon, oh. where we're talking about spiritual disciplines. You weren't there. Story of my life. It, <laughs> hey, it wasn't the annual uh, Roland Napoleon easy target solo duet, but it was it, it was close. You know, it was all right. But we talked about the the spiritual discipline of confession, mm-hmm. and my my devotion was around pressing on being the the christian in 1 corinthians 15 51 through 58 and there's some doctrine there about what's next for the church uh, but it, it ends with always abounding in the work of the lord and how can we do that as believers and i was talking about some things that distract us and some enemies that come in and will take us away from our goal and so part of that was uh, taking flight from from sin, 
running from sin, when you're tempted getting away from sin. And, and a way to help that is to have accountability partners and people that, that make, make you a better man, but also someone that can see you at your worst because when you mess up, you, you have to confess it to them. So there's a lot of different things there. There's um, what I'll say is in in that particular example was talking about someone struggling with like lust or somebody who that that's one of the devil's biggest that's one of his his biggest weapons right now with with Christian men yeah. is is to get them well, so the whole world's covered in it absolutely <laughs> having men that you can trust now this is extremely important. This is not somebody, I, I want to preface this. This is extremely important, okay? This is not an acquaintance, somebody that you just, you know, hey, brother, you know, I love you, brother, and y'all, you know, stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, you're telling them things about yourself. And I'm not just talking about one particular sin. I'm talking about maybe you have a a, a problem with with an addiction or something like that, and you just need somebody to hold you accountable don't just pick some random person uh, just because he wears a suit and tie at church and be like, hey, I need you to be my accountability partner. It doesn't work that way because this guy might end up telling other people things about you. You're not ready for them to find out yet. Mm-hmm. So, Or you get to be the illustration in a story. Yeah, oh, the other day I was talking about, I was talking to, uh, I, I won't say his I won't name. I won't say his name. I won't say his name. Because I wouldn't want to embarrass him. I wouldn't want to embarrass because. He's here tonight. <laughs> Third row, fourth from the left. Yeah. Here we go. Wearing oh yeah, he's pokey dot tie. He's the one with the the red face right now. Just got up and ran out crying. Dean, do you mind if I tell this story? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's my favorite. Yeah, brother Dean, you won't mind, will you? I reckon not. <laughs> so when you have all the things that we've been talking about, so a, a man who makes you a better man, a, a, a friend that. Is, is truthful, faithful, all those things that you can truly confide in. Forgiving. Yes, forgiving, and also transparent, because this is somebody, you having an accountability partner who's just a judge or just a, yep, I figured this out, I know I'm not perfect, that's my cop-out, now you need to, you need to fix this, that's not good. You need somebody who, who's self-aware, who they, they know they have faults, and they're very open and honest, but... Having a accountability partner is extremely important, and it could be one person. It could be a, a group of individuals. Uh, I have a group of men that we, we, we meet often, um, and these are men that no one in my personal life here knows. These are men that I was introduced to, and we've, we've shared things with each other over the years, and we hold each other accountable uh, as being Christian men being well, the, the followers of our That's one homes. thing I wanted to ask. So yeah. in practical terms of finding that person, would an accountability partner, would you want that to be someone that you're with all the time, someone you see on a regular basis? So I would say either, honestly. I would say yes or no. I'm, I'm, I've told, I have confided in things with people that I have seen and on a regular basis, and I've also confided in things that, with people that, that I don't see in the flesh on a regular, on a you know, on a daily. You don't basis. ever want to see them get in the flesh. I'll tell you that right. Yeah, now. yeah, but these are people that I I would not see on a daily. But but it's both. It's both to me. But at the end of the day, pray about it. But make sure this person is somebody that you can trust. But also make sure this person is somebody who's mature and, and can what's, handle. It. What's your accountability partner going to do? Or what's your What's your accountability buddy or friend, your battle buddy? What's your battle buddy going to do in this thing? I mean, how does it look like if I'm going to be, let's say I was going to be your, your, your accountability battle buddy. Right. What, what would I do? How would I go about being that for you? What would you be expecting of me? So if, if you were my accountability partner, is, is that <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, we go that, with that. Yeah, let's go with that, right? <laughs> I would say one thing is consistency. So there is... It, whatever you're having a problem with, whatever I'm having an issue with, that is what I'm opening up to you about. And so I am, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, I am checking in with you regularly. I've opened up this part of my life to you. I've said, hey, I'm struggling with this. I've repented. I know that I need to over, that the Lord needs to overcome this in my life and get me through this for me to get to the next step. But I need somebody down here with me in the trenches 
to help me because I'll go for a while and then I'll I'll mess up. Then Let, I'll go. Let's put a let's put a, a a struggle. Let's name a struggle, and it might help unpack that. A little yeah. Bit. So, so let's so say someone that has a yes overeating. So we got an individual. They're they're gluttonous, and so they have come to me and they say, Dean, I need help with this. So first things first, we need that check in. There, there needs to be some check-ins, whether it be daily, weekly, whatever it is, but it could be a text, it could be a call. But it, there is that consistency of me knowing I, I don't even see the best, I also see the worst. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend daily. That's what I do, the daily check-in. So, hey, this today I'm under my calorie goal. You know, it could be a quick text, it could be a call, whatever, but, you know, uh, 1,900 calories today, I did my workout, um, I'm under everything good to go, just a quick text. But when that person messes up, there can't be none of this, well, you know, I, I, we normally go somewhere, but they were closed, so I went down to the, you know, I just got me a donut, but I mean, I, there, there can't be any of that. They that's have when to the con- partner says, yeah, that's when the partner says, hey, man, wrong. Yeah, what are we going to do differently? We have to build, and it's not a, it's not a hall monitor program, okay? It's not. Something to where, hey, I messed up, and it's like, all right. So that was know? another question, and I know we kind of diverted to making this part of the topic, but I, I just got to thinking this is a big thing that guys don't have and might right. not know how to engage with. So, so in other words, what you're saying is there's not a consequence system. So, so it's it's about building it, building each other up, and it's about building defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use the example in my devotion. Uh, I was talking about uh, lust, and I was talking about how, you know, um, who was uh, uh, David. We're talking about how, you know, the flesh it caused him to be weak, and he, he sinned. And I used the illustration of a recovering alcoholic and someone who says, hey, I want you to be my accountability partner, and they keep relapsing. Mm-hmm. And you, you, so you do an investigation, you find out, well, they go to a bar three times a week. Well, if you're a recovering alcoholic, buddy, you got to stay away from the bar. So it's about lifestyle change. It's about building defenses. And I was talking about, like, lust and, and fornication, pornography, stuff like that. Well, if, if you have a problem with lust, you need to have control methods on your phone. You need to have your systems locked down. You need to um, screen movies that you watch. You have problems with gluttony. Uh, you you need don't to count go your, to Gold Corral. Yeah, don't go to Gold Corral. Count your calories. But one thing that helps, I would say, whatever accountability partner that you choose, a, a godly man that you can trust, it helps if you find somebody who's also understands what you're going through and is struggling with the same thing, but also not only is struggling with the same thing, but has purposed in their heart that they're going to overcome it as well. Yeah. So that way... You have somebody that is right there in the thick of it with you, and y'all can hold each other accountable and learn together, but also become better men. I think if you think about all the things that we've listed or other things you could throw in there, you're talking about addictions, you're talking about things like alcohol and pornography, maybe even you know drugs, maybe yeah. over-the-counter drugs or, or whatever. Illegal, whatever it may be. A lot of these things are have attachments in our, our soul because of things in our past or what have you. Um, you've got battles with things like gluttony, you know, overeating. Gossiping yes. can be a big problem. Uh, um, money, you know, spending. Yeah, just uh, being uh, yeah. A very undisciplined. Being a man finances. of the world, right? Being a man of the world, just loving, being a lot, loving Depression. the world system. Battling depression can be something you could use an accountability partner for. I think about that one because even this morning as I was reading in the Psalms, I I was seeing again, boy, that's a big topic in the Psalms. Now, ultimately, the great thing that that we see there is, and you you mentioned this too, but it's really about whatever our support system is or who our friends are, whether it's an accountability or just being friends, it is ultimately about getting us into a greater dependence on God in our life where we come to understand that the greatest power, the only power I have to overcome anything in my life is through my relationship with Christ. And it is being able to pray through that and break the power of those things that might have a hold and a bondage on me. But our friends, our accountability partners, help us to get to that point. Because we're, when we're weak, 
we need somebody that we can lean on and trust. Absolutely, and 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 I hope I wasn't talking in code there, no pun intended, but t- talking in code, but because you know you don't want to betray anyone's trust, but at the same time, this is something every man needs, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, you have a you have an area in your life that you 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 want to get better at. You have something. And there's no comp out mentality. There's that that's got to be done with. There is no well, you know, I'm not perfect, and everybody messes up. There's a hey, I I need help with this, and you just listed a bunch of things that we can use that for. But it's all about it's going beyond that issue, trusting in Christ, but also realizing that hey, I need a lifestyle change because this world system that I live in, all of those things you just mentioned. This world will gladly help you with with getting worse at those Especially things. living in America. But I think one thing that we do have to answer, because you asked this question early on, because I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that listen to everything you described. It's like, man, that sounds great, but how do I find that? How, yeah. how do I find that person? Because, like you said, you're not going to entrust just anybody with that. And one thing that I've discovered in my life, I've got I've got a couple of people that I have confided some some deeper things that I've struggled with. But it took a long time to get to that point. And what I did was so I, I feel like we all have different layers of things that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. I have things in my life that I'll use in the pulpit, for an example, that, that I struggle with that I don't mind for everybody to know because even though I know all sin sin, but we understand that. There's some things we don't we don't bad an eye about and I think as as you confide in somebody with some of those lesser things you kind of throw out those feelers and if you get burned if all of a sudden you found out that this person has gone around you're like well this guy he's super competitive and throws golf clubs and all that kind of stuff okay I'm not really going to confide in that person very much because I I gave you access into a part of me and you proved that you weren't you weren't worthy of that so it takes some time to build that level but it's also going to take some getting burned as well because yeah. I know in my life there were some people that I thought, this is this is going to be a guy. He's he's going to be a help to me. And a then, guy. Yeah, and yeah, then guy. I got burned. So then, all right, well, I, I got to shut that down. But there's the temptation to be like, well, this is how it's going to be. I'm just not going to open myself up to anybody. I'm just going to. That's been the. I think that's been the biggest response by most guys. Yeah, I'm just going to. I'm just going to internalize this. And it comes from childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, childhood friendships. I think cause that because, it, it, you know, let your mind go back to your school days. You probably won't have to think too hard to remember experiences and the way you felt when somebody told something about you and it became this, you know, big joke and you were made fun of. And we have a tendency to shut down. You know, yep. I was talking about this last night that there are places in our heart that we wall off, we close them, and we don't want to let anybody, including God, in there. Yeah. And it's very damaging. So, to the point that you're on, I was actually going to bring up this question as we draw toward the end of today's time. Um, I, but I'm very glad we went this direction. I think it's helpful. What are some who who would be some examples that could get Get the guys thinking about, and, and even the even the, the ladies, that who would be examples of people we could turn to to be that accountability partner? And, I, and I'm going to throw out one of them. Now, now, these are generic. They won't always work, okay, because it depends on everything that you two just laid out. It has to be that kind of person. Yeah. But I would just say, hopefully, you have a pastor that mm-hmm. could be that for you. Absolutely, okay? yeah. And I'll go ahead and throw out one more and then let you guys, you've got some examples. But I'm going to say a man's wife. Yeah. Now, are there limitations on both of those? Absolutely. And and there's some some things that you might have to consider with all of that. But hopefully, hopefully you've got a pastor and a wife that could could serve in those those ways. But what about some other guys that would be examples of accountability partners? Where would we look? Well, I would say a any leader in the church. You, so especially a deacon or a like a Sunday school teacher or a, a youth leader or something like that, you would hope. Now, again, not talking about anywhere specifically, but that's not always going to be the case, right? And, and even a pastor or even a man's wife, that's not always going to be the case. So, But if a person is a leader in a church and, and their heart is where it should be, if you have a deacon, you have a deacon's wife, you have a a Sunday school teacher, 
um, who is invested and they're not your Sunday school teacher because no one else is doing it or you know granddaddy laid the first brick they're the Sunday school teacher because a the pastor has seen that they are apt to teach and that this is somebody who's a student of the word but b they have a burden they want to help but that would be a possibility mm-hmm. somebody in your life who is invested in your spiritual well-being and wants you to do better that's someone to consider and i would say in your Sunday school class, your small group class, whatever it may be, I, it's difficult. And you, know, well, how do you, how do you bring that stuff up? But I think you can learn a lot just by listening. So as you're listening to the conversation take place, and you hear something from another man or or ladies, you hear something from another lady, and it resonates. Like I understand what they're talking about. Like like they're maybe they're bearing themselves a little bit, you know, throwing those feelers out, and you hear it. Well, then maybe you target that person like, hey, I, I can understand. And so that's a that's a good way to start to start building that foundation. Like, obviously, you're not going to come into church on Sunday and be like, all right, folks, looking for an accountability partner. Sign here if you would like to try out. I'm oh, going to you might get a lot of names. Yeah. You know, I'm going <laughs> to start I'm going to start entrusting you with uh, various levels of my personal life. And uh, let's just see what sticks. Guys, I like the sauce. Secrets. I yeah. like the sauce. Yeah. Anybody here got problems with me? I mean, just let me know. Let yeah. me know. You're not going to do that. But, you know, you have you have to start looking somewhere. And the best places to look should be at the places that should be filled with people that are so yeah, far, everything we've named has been centered around the church, right? Yeah. Yep. But it reminds me of something that I was listening to Dallas Willard talk about when he said that our churches ought to be a place for recovering sinners to come in and just be that. Right. And uh, he said, you know, like, I ought to be able to come in the church and say, hello, my name is Dallas. I'm a recovering sinner. You know, it was yeah. funny because the audience listening began to applaud, you know. Yeah. But the reality is, is what's happened is the reverse. We've created a culture inside the church where, at least to where a lot of us are familiar, we're, we're afraid to acknowledge sin in our life. Yep. We're afraid to admit that there's something that we struggle with because we're going to be viewed as lesser than. People are going to talk about us. People are going to, well, you know, clearly since he struggles with sin, we can't put him in charge of anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. You just disqualified every single person person correct yeah you know? well there's so, oh i'm sorry no, no, i, I was gonna say there's a white elephant in the room right and his name is shame yeah and, and that that's it you know and if, if there's somebody who is going to slap you in the back of the head mm-hmm. um because you were late to, to church or you you say yeah when i was a kid i you know i stole something and they come up and pop you in the back of the head one good time i wouldn't make that your accountability partner <laughs> i don't think that's a good uh, but even the way having that shame and having that that mindset that's why a lot of men have have remained silent mm-hmm. i believe because we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders and and when you confess something like that there is that shame factor and like you just said it almost almost feel like well now i'm going to be disqualified from doing anything and thereby we get our closet sinners yep yeah well, I, I, I would have liked to have been able to walk through David and Jonathan's relationship a little more, but we do like to study the Bible, right? And Bible's important. We need to get some scriptural help behind it. I would just like to list these things real quickly so the listener could write these down and go back and listen again and get these. But just look at these verses that describe the kind of relationship that David and Jonathan had. Of course, we read 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 through 4, but... Right there you see affection, what I would call affection. There was a deep affection between these two men. Well, whoa, now you're already starting to make me uncomfortable. You know, when when these two guys are, their souls are knit together and they're loving each other as they love their own soul, well, it gets better than that. But in in 1 Samuel chapter 19, in verse 2, I would write that one down. And what you'll see there is the protection that was being offered. Jonathan standing up for his friend David, standing by his side, defending him, especially when you know David wasn't around. That's a big one. You want somebody mm-hmm. that's going to stand up for you even when you're not there. And then if you want to write down 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16, here you see that a friend is offering his friend a lot of encouragement. And uh, I like the wording of this verse. Um, Jonathan's 
Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. He encouraged him in his faith, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when, you're, when your favorite sports team lost, you know, it's good to have a friend to pick you up say, oh, brother, don't worry, next week we'll get it. Yeah, that really matters a lot, doesn't it? But if you've got somebody that will encourage you in your faith, that's a true friend. And the last one I'll give you, 2 Samuel chapter 20, verse 17. And this one is at the very end. And Saul has been, or Jonathan and Saul, have been killed in battle. But i got to read this verse. Listen to this. This will throw somebody uh, for a loop. Yeah. So 2 Samuel chapter 1, when David speaks about his friend Jonathan. 2 Samuel chapter 1, at the end, Saul and Jonathan have been killed in battle, and David laments over their deaths. But listen to what he says about Jonathan. He says, How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thy high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. I tell you, if we could find some men in our lives that were the truest friends, like these guys were truest friends, we would come to understand that there is a type of relationship that only another man can offer you. Right. And that's what David was saying about Jonathan. He said, you brought something to me that all the women of my life never could. And let's admit, David had a few women in his life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but wonder earlier about accountabilities. If Jonathan hadn't died so soon, maybe David would have never got in that trouble with Bathsheba because he'd have had a friend there helping him out. But anyway, uh, look up those verses affection, the protection that they offered each other, the encouragement they offered each other, and the admiration they had for each other. That really defines a true friendship. Well, it's, it's such a beautiful type of what we have in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Because me and my wife, if I were to die, my wife can remarry. I mean, she still loves me, but, I mean, I'm, I'm gone. But nothing can happen to me that will take that relationship with Christ away. Mm -hmm. And that was David and Jonathan's relationship. Yes. There, you know, David could lose a wife, but he could not lose his best friend Jonathan. Yep. And if, you're, if you do die and your wife marries again, I think she's going to look to upgrade. I don't think so. I don't know that she can. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything out there better. Well, as one friend to another, I'd just like to say, maybe you're right. In the heart of a champion In the heart of a champion